0: This show is brought to you by helixsleep.com. Sleep is absolutely critical, especially as you get older, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find a mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has you covered. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight Mattress because I want a medium firmness and a sleep on my side. So far, my new mattress is a godsend. Don't want to take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, you won't believe how well you sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is just a few clicks away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code helixpartner20. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire code helixpartner20.
1: Throughout history, political activists have endured all manner of suffering in order to advance their causes. Gandhi marched 240 miles to protest the British salt monopoly. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison opposing the South African regime. And yesterday, Democrat Congressman Greg Kesar stopped eating for eight hours to protest for more breaks in the workday in Texas. When Congressman Kesar first demanded more time off for employees, I didn't know if he was serious. But when the congressman forewent his mid-afternoon snack to bring attention to the issue, I knew he meant business. Now, of course, There was a time when Americans weren't such fatties that they could go a few hours without stuffing their faces and not hold a press conference about it. There was even a time when people fasted regularly as a matter of religious or even just physical discipline. But those days are gone. And in the decadent year of our Lord, 2023, a brief interruption of gluttony constitutes an act of political heroism. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to The Michael Knowles Show. Congressman Kesar's brief interruption of stuffing himself actually was not the craziest thing on Capitol Hill yesterday. There's a lot going on. You know, I'm still in Hungary, and we'll get to a a, a fabulous statement that Prime Minister Viktor Orban just made here. I'll be speaking later on today at the MCC Fest in Egerström in uh, Hungary. But going back to Capitol Hill for a second, the craziest thing that took place at Capitol Hill yesterday was the UFO hearing. And I went in and I I wanted to keep an open mind. And, you know, we've had some debates about aliens at the Daily Wire. I cannot overstate just how stupid these hearings are. I predicted they would be stupid. I tried to keep it there. It's so dumb and so obviously fake. But let's hear them out. Uh, first clip from Congressman Tim Burchett asking, and this is a very serious question. Has anyone been injured or harmed retrieving or even covering up the supposed alien spacecraft? Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured? In efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial
0: technology, yes. Personally,
2: have you heard? Have anyone been murdered that you would think, that you know of or have heard of? I guess
0: I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities.
2: Maybe in a um, if we could get it, get in a um, confidential area skiff, we could talk about that. But unfortunately, um, we were denied access to the skiff and that's very unfortunate in
1: this in this scenario a skiff is a secure setting where you can talk about sensitive information the implication here is that either aliens have murdered americans american servicemen and other government workers or that the government has murdered americans for knowing too much about aliens that the implication here is every sci-fi horror alien movie come to life. That's the implication. And I use that word carefully. It's an implication because we don't have any names. We don't have any dates. We don't have any evidence. We just have this guy's testimony. I am not questioning the guy's integrity. I'm not saying he's lying. I just can't help but notice, we talked about this on the show yesterday, Every single time we've we've got the smoking gun, we've got proof of an alien and UFOs and flying saucers. We don't get it. We don't get the details. We just get insinuations and implications. And trust me, I know you got to trust me. If only we could get into the skiff. If only I could tell you what happened. If only I could give you names. If only I could give you details. So this is amazing bread and circuses TV that the American public is gobbling up. I'm talking about it right now on the show. So I guess it worked. But is there any actual substance to what they're saying. Anna Paulina Lunick, Republican congressman, asks if the man testifying has ever feared for his life. Following up on this question of, have people been murdered in these cover-ups, Have people been injured? Here's his answer.
3: In the last couple of years, have you had incidences that have caused you to be in fear for your life for addressing these issues?
0: Yes, personally. Okay. Yeah.
3: I just want everyone to note that he's coming forward in fear of his life to put in perspective, if they were really not scared about this information coming out, why would someone be intimidated like that?
1: Okay, maybe he is in fear of his life. Look, maybe it's real. All right, let's just say maybe E.T. is real, and we've got all these aliens and spacecraft and secret bunkers in Area 51. Okay, but again, where's the evidence? This exchange, which is captivating, and it's gone viral, and people are talking about it, he, this man fears for his life. What kind of evidence is that? The evidence being presented here is a guy's feelings. I don't mean to mock his feelings, but when we're talking about congressional testimony, when we're talking about the little green men, I would rather hear some facts and details and evidence because these kinds of insinuations can be made about anything. Well, yes, I did feel, I felt very threatened. This is what the libs say on college campuses. They say, oh, I felt unsafe when you Called me by a pronoun that I don't like, and therefore I felt like it was really dangerous and threatening. Feel, feel, feel. You can never disprove a feeling. So I'm, I'm really not mocking the guy. I'm, I, I don't mean to be harsh on him, but give me something. If we're going to hold this big circus hearing, give me anything real. Nancy Mace got the closest, I think, to an answer. Another liberal Republican Congress lady, Nancy Mace asks, all right, you're afraid for your life. You're saying people have been threatened and harmed and injured and all about this. Well, do we have the goods? Do we have spacecraft? Do we have alien bodies? And this answer to me is the most telling of the entire testimony, though in a way that's different from how most people are interpreting it.
3: If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft?
1: If only we got that skiff, that would have been nice. The word that perked my ears up here, biologics. The hell is biologics? That's a weird word. That's a weird clinical jargony word that nobody really knows the meaning of. But did he, did he mean bodies? Well, he would have just said bodies. Did he mean tissue, organs, splattered alien guts? No. Biologics. Which is a term that when it is used, and it's used very rarely, is often used with regard to medicine. It's not, what does that mean? I mean it was non-human biologics. Okay. What could that, that could be anything. You could recover a craft that had some other organism in it. Had a single cell organism in it. They say, well, it's biologics. So we got it. Had some other kind of tissue. I don't know. Some guy had a cat hair on him. What, what is it? When are we going to get specific? Now, what, the man testifying here says, is, well, I would just need to be in a skiff to get specific about that. Okay. Can the Congress not do it? Can the Congress not demand the opportunity to to meet with this guy off the record in a skiff? Maybe not. Maybe maybe it is a super duper deep secret cover-up and we've been storing alien bodies in refrigerators for a long time. But what seems more likely to you? That Et is real and in a bunker somewhere underground, or that the government is distracting you, or that gullible people are following fantasies, or that what that it, at the moment that we've got really pressing national matters, the U.S. Congress and the bureaucracy are putting on a bread and circuses show that is succeeding because we're all talking about it. What do you seems more thing seems more likely? if it were the case that it were the former, if it were the case that we really have all these alien bodies, why have we never, ever, ever gotten even one hard detail, verifiable piece of evidence about any of it in all the decades that people have been talking about it, including the last few years where it's really come up? What seems more likely to you? I, I think I've got my answer. Mr. Walsh has his answer which side are you on? Pick a side, man. You stand in the middle of the road, you're going to get hit by a UFO. You got to talk to your friends about these things. When you want to talk to your friends, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it. This is great news for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and includes a mobile hotspot with no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered Pure Talk before, but haven't made the switch, take a look again. For just 20 bucks a month, you will get unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus their new mobile hotspot. This is why I love Pure Talk. Veteran-owned, they only hire the best customer service team located right here in the great US of A. That alone is worth switching. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money. So stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month because they value you. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, Pure talk, wireless for Americans by Americans. That is puretalk.com slash Knowles. Speaking of bizarre claims coming from our government, Joe Biden uh, made a claim just yesterday about one of his great successes that I don't really remember happening.
2: I said I'd cure cancer. And it looked at me like, why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why. And we can. we end cancer as we know it.
1: Do you remember Joe Biden curing cancer? I remember at the end of the Obama administration, Barack Obama said, Joe, we're going to take a moonshot and put you in charge of curing cancer. To which... Every single person in America said, oh, well, so much for that, so much for getting a cure for cancer. We got Joe in charge. That's a guarantee it's never going to get done. And Joe Biden reiterated his desire to cure cancer again and hasn't done it. Obviously, cancer still exists. Cancer is still very dangerous. And Biden's done essentially nothing on it. And now he's declaring victory. This is Joe Biden's George Bush standing on the aircraft carrier with the mission accomplished sign, except he's not going to get any flack for it. No one's really going to call him out. Some of us in conservative media will. It won't matter. It, It won't matter that Joe Biden is brazenly lying and pretending to have achieved an implausible achievement, which we all know he did not achieve. And some people are shocked. Some people. I am not shocked. Do you know why? Because these guys say that men are women with a straight face. These guys tell you to your face that a man is really a woman. And they've gotten a lot of us to go along with it. This is the point. I know it's an overused literary reference. This is the point of the final chapters of 1984. The point is not that the evil regime is going to lie. It's not that the evil regime is going to deceive you. It's not even that the evil regime is going to torture you until you utter the lie, knowing that it's a lie. It's that the evil regime is going to confuse you so much. It's going to mess with your head and your perception of reality so much that you're you're not even going to be able to discern the difference between truth and lies. You'll believe the lie, and then when they change their story, you're going to believe the the contradictory changed story. And you are going to be so disoriented that you're not even going to notice it. And that's what's happening here. Joe Biden says, yeah, I cured cancer, making tiny little ripples in the media. It's going to be on my show, maybe a handful of other conservative shows. They're going to move on. It's not going to matter. And some people, some people are going to believe it. They're going to be libs 10, 20 years from now. Remember when Joe Biden cured cancer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Speaking of transgenderism, which I'm certain I can't talk about on YouTube, Dylan Mulvaney is going on a college speaking tour. Speaking of just pushing lies everywhere, including at places that are supposed to be uniquely concerned with the truth. Dylan Mulvaney is, is going on a college speaking tour. He's going to be speaking on a variety of subjects, including female empowerment. And here's the worst part. He's going to be charging 40 grand in honoraria. My least favorite part of the Dylan Mulvaney college tour is that this man is getting much higher honoraria than I am. It's outrageous. <laughs> and I need to call my speaker's bureau. And that it, it drive, it, the whole thing drives me crazy. But that especially grates at me of course he does. I can't help but notice the parallel. I hope I'm not being too navel-gazing here, too self-centered when I think about the parallel, because I think it's an important political one. Dylan Mulvaney, his job is just my job, except he's a lib. I guess there are a few other differences. Some of the high heels and the dresses are probably a little different too. But his job is, what is my job? My job is to go onto social media and other more traditional broadcast platforms like radio and things like that and state my opinion about things and give my perspective and bring in a little bit of history and philosophy and and persuade you of my vision of politics, culture, and reality. That's my job. And I do that through the multimedia and I do it through a college speaking tour and I do it through books. I guarantee you Dylan Mulvaney is going to get a book deal at some point, probably sooner rather than later. So, We have basically the same job. We do basically the same things with a few very important distinctions. And the difference is Dylan Mulvaney is going to be paid a lot more money to do a lot less work. And he's going to be censored a lot less often than I am. And it's not just me. It's every other conservative. Every other conservative broadcaster, commentator, author, public speaker, influencer, politician, whatever word you want we're not going to be totally censored, but we are going to be censored, for instance, on that big tech video platform that doesn't let us talk about the most pressing ideological issue in our culture right now. Dylan Mulvaney gets to talk about that issue and he won't be censored anywhere. He'll be promoted by the big tech platforms and he'll be funded. It's not that there's no funding on the right. There is some funding on the right. He'll get a lot more funding and we'll get certain sponsorships. He'll get the big brand sponsorships. Famously, infamously, he destroyed the most popular beer in America because of his sponsorship relationship. It's just one tiny glimpse, and I happen to see it because I know this area pretty well. It's one tiny glimpse of how the libs just wield so much more power and influence for doing the same type of thing, but with the regime-approved opinions. It's not that you can't talk about transgenderism on YouTube. It's that I can't talk about transgenderism on YouTube. It's not that one cannot talk about it. One can, unless one has a conservative view of the issue and happens to be prominent. If, if I had a smaller YouTube channel, if I didn't have a million and a half subscribers, I could talk about it just fine. No one would. But the moment that a conservative starts to gain ground on that issue, that's when they, the moment that you release a big documentary called What is a Woman? That's when the big tech comes after you. The moment that you have a speech on transgenderism that persuades people and goes viral around the world, that's when they come after you. It's when you're an effective conservative. So what do the youngsters think about all of this? What are are the youths that Dylan Mulvaney is going to be speaking to? What do they think about it? Well, there's some good news on that front, actually. I'll start with the bad news, I'll give you the good news. The bad news is about my generation, the millennials, the poor millennials. 44% of millennials think that misgendering, you know, referring to someone by the correct pronouns, when you call a man he and you call a woman she, if they think that they're the opposite sex. 44% of millennials think that should be a criminal offense, (laughs) that you could go to jail for calling a man he. 35%, of millennials disagree. They don't think it should be a criminal offense. And 26% either don't know or or don't really have an opinion on the subject. So the vast majority, 65%, either think it should be criminal or don't really care if it's criminal. The good news is Zoomers are way more conservative, way more in line with reality, and way more based. So uh, among Gen Z, 33%, a third, think that misgendering, quote unquote, should be a criminal offense. That's still a huge number but it's way lower, 25% lower than the millennials. And 48% disagree. So much higher percentage actively think, no, we shouldn't criminalize people for calling dudes he and him. The remainder say uh, neither or don't know. Other polls that have come out show that the Zoomers also are way less down on the trans agenda, way less down with the trans agenda. I guess they're more down on the trans agenda. They're they're anti-trans at a much higher rate than the millennials are. This is good stuff. Makes me think that the kids are all right. Why is that happening? I think it's because the millennials came of political age in the age of Obama, in the age of idealism and fantasy. And they came out of the last gasps of a semi-normal society into hope and change and happy Obama and madness. The Zoomers came of political age when that balloon of optimism popped. They came of political age at a time when the last vestiges of normality were gone. They came at a time of rising populism. They came at a time when... Uh, conservatives stopped losing politely. And you had McCain and and Romney saying, well, you know, Barack Obama, he's a really good man. I just, we happen to disagree and it's my job to lose to him. That was over by the time Trump came around and he said, Mexican immigrants are rapists and murderers. Barack Obama probably wasn't born in this country. (laughs) Hillary Clinton should go to prison. Like, I'm not saying everything he said was nice or even true or anything like that. I'm just saying all those niceties went away. And Trump was not only a cause of this reaction, but he was an expression of it as well. And the bright side of that, the bright side of that crassness and bluntness is that this younger generation that came of age at that time, they're, they're not going to go along with the BS. The millennials are all about the BS. The zoomers, not going to go along with it. They're, they're sick of it. They were not raised in an age when that was going to be really ho- hopeful and exciting. Uh, uh-uh. uh boys and boys and girls are girls. Now, when you want to hire people, you should not obviously not hire millennials and only hire zoomers because they understand the world a lot better. You should also check out ZipRecruiter. Right now go to ziprecruitercom Knowles. If you're hiring, you're probably dealing with economic uncertainty. Now more than ever, it's important to hire the right people faster and more efficiently to keep overall costs down. Thankfully, ZipRecruiter is a hiring partner focused on you and your needs from pricing to technology, everything that ZipRecruiter does is for you and what works best for you. Right now, you can try them for free at ZipRecruiter.com/Noles. ZipRecruiter's smart technology identifies and matches for your job, and lets you invite candidates you really want to apply to your job before other businesses can snag them. I love their pricing; it's super straightforward. You know what you pay before posting your job, so you can stick to your budget with no surprises. Hire the best with the help of a partner who's all about you with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within first day. Go to this exclusive web address right now, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. Try it for free. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash K-N-O-W-L-E-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Folks, the greatest interview show On the Internet, Yes or No is back with an all-new episode with movie star Jim Caviezel and American hero Tim Ballard to discuss the Sound of Freedom movie phenomenon. Check out this teaser. It's just a coincidence that many elites in Hollywood and big tech are also some of the harshest critics of the Sound of Freedom movie. Does Michael think it's a coincidence?
0: I'm just thinking about it for a second. I don't think he thinks it's a (laughs) coincidence. Don't give me the answer. (laughs) (laughs) It's cheating. It's cheating. I want the judges to
1: note that. What a tease. What a tease we are. Go get the Yes or No game right now. Not just the video, but the actual game. It's in stock. Go to dailywire.com slash shop. Get your game today. The games go fast. Yes or no is hands down. The best way to delve into the most thought-provoking topics of our time with family, with friends, go to dailywire.com slash shop and order yes or no today. Speaking of the Utes, is any of my show gonna be allowed on YouTube today? Is that this is a big this is a big go to Twitter, go to the RSS feed, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Daily Wire Plus Day. Because I don't I think my YouTube version of my show is gonna be about three minutes today. But we got to talk about this. There is a taxpayer-funded queer middle school opening in Phoenix. It's not, it, not, it doesn't just happen to be kind of light in the loafers. The school is explicitly intentionally queer. What does that mean? Well, it's called the Queer Blended Learning Center. It's launching in downtown Phoenix in August, funded by Arizona's education vouchers, It's a project of 1 in 10, which is some LGBT, LMNOP activist group. And they say the mission is, quote, to serve LGBTQ youth and young adults ages 11 to 24. 11. They say the point is to, quote, enhance their lives by providing empowering social and service programs that promote self-expression, self-acceptance, leadership development, and healthy life choices. And this is the one that got me. We just had this population of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that could really benefit from a safe space to be able to really have exceptional education while also having education that pertains to their own identity, says Clayton Davenport, 1 in ten's Director of Development and Marketing. Can you even fathom how creepy this guy is, Clayton Davenport? We just we realized that we were not talking to enough 11-year-olds about deviant sex. And so we just wanted to make sure, we needed to provide a safe space where we, we educators, we, Clayton Davenports of the world, could speak to 11-year-olds about deviant sex all day long and do so at taxpayer expense. That's really, really important. Now, the taxpayer expense part it's a little bit of a two-edged sword because the way they're doing it is because of the Arizona voucher system. The Arizona voucher system is something that's been promoted by conservatives. It's promoted by conservatives so that we can get charter schools that are better than the government-run unionized schools, so that we can get taxpayer funding for religious schools, so that parents have a choice they can send their kid to a Catholic school if they want to get a decent education. Now that voucher, it's being used against the conservatives to fund this grooming party for 11-year-olds. What do we say? Well, here's, here's the reaction. The squishes are going to say, look, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. All right. You, do you really want the government coming in and saying what kind of schools can and cannot be funded by taxpayers? You want the government doing that? You want the government doing the job of the government? No, that'd be crazy. It's going to be used against us, hypothetically. So we got to fund the groomer schools. Because if we don't fund the groomer schools, then they might not want to fund the Catholic schools and the conservative schools and the classical education schools. And, you know, who's to say which one's better? Who's to say? Who's to say? I think if you set up a school, especially a taxpayer expense, but if you set up a school with the intent to talk to 11-year-olds about deviant sexual behaviors, you should go to prison. (laughs) You should not be receiving the government cheese. That should be illegal. But come on, we're supposed to have a neutral public square. We've never had a neutral public square. Well, we need viewpoint neutrality from the government. We've never had that. That's not real. That's not real. Well, who's to say that a classical education is better than a groomer education? Me. That's who says it. Me. I'm saying that. And you're saying that. And every reasonable person is saying that. And Clayton Davenport's not saying that, but Clayton Davenport's a groomer and his opinion doesn't matter. Okay. This isn't anti-American authoritarian. Oh, if I hear that word, one more, the authoritarian right. Give me a break, man. Yeah. Don't groom kids. If that's authoritarian, then call me Francisco freaking Franco. Okay. Because we used to be able to say that in this country until like five minutes ago. And now we've got to pretend otherwise you know, another authoritarian leader, happens to be the best leader in Europe, Viktor Orban. I'm in Hungary right now, so I'm paying a little closer attention to Hungarian politics. Orban just came out, he had a great line. He said, we're not a liberal democracy, we're an illiberal democracy, actually we're a Christian democracy. And he just a couple days ago said, by having rejected Christianity, we have in actual fact become hedonistic pagans. That is true. He's describing... Europe, I think this could apply to the West broadly. It's not that by rejecting Christianity, we've just become enlightened and secular, and we don't do those religious rituals anymore. We just do different ones. And we just got out of a month where we were doing religious rituals all the time with the, with the special body paint, the rainbows, and the flags, and the, the big parades, the processions. We used to have processions to the Blessed Mother. We used to have processions that involved great saints, that involved our Lord. Now we have processions that involve deviant men wearing leather, smacking each other in front of children on floats. They're processions. And what it, what kind of a procession is that? It's not just liberalism. It's not just secularism. It's not just having a little fun. It's hedonistic paganism. Prime Minister Orban just hit the nail on the head. We'll be talking about a lot of these things tomorrow when I'm at the MCC Fest speaking in Egerstrom. I think I'm mispronouncing that, but I'm very excited to do that. And that will be, conclude my trip, and then we'll, we'll come back and, and be back in the studio next week. Gotta restore some standards, folks. There's a, there's a story, I don't know, since, since two-thirds of this show is not on YouTube anyway, might as well get into it today, uh, a little tease at the very least. Malaysia's government just stepped into hot water this is Malaysia. It's not evil Western Orban. It's Malaysia, which I think the Libs still consider good because it's non-Western. So Malaysia halted a concert by a band called the 1975. What is that? I don't know. It, it says here it's a British pop rock band. And the Malaysian government halted this concert because two dudes on stage, two members of the band, started kissing each other. And Malaysia came in and said, nah, you're not gonna do that here. <gasps> oh no, how terrible, how awful. The liberals up in arms a reminder that the liberals, for all their talk about multiculturalism, have absolutely no respect for anyone else's culture. The Biden administration, during Pride Month, I heard this from a liberal journalist in Hungary. She was in favor of this. I was quite opposed to it. The Biden administration sent a a big gay pride flag, even though Hungary is anti-public LGBT stuff. Sent a big pride flag, had a big pride celebration in the embassy. Forget about Hungary. They did it at the Vatican it's so disrespectful. We say, oh, we need multiculturalism. We need to bring everybody in. Our culture is so evil. We we want to learn from all the cultures of the world. And then in the very next breath, these liberals impose their radical, hedonistic, pagan ideology onto others. You know, when Jordan Peterson made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, it was a major win for those who champion intellectual debate. With one year of unparalleled output, his contributions have set new standards and remained unmatched by any other platform. Daily Wire Plus now has a vast array of exclusive Jordan Peterson content, offering hundreds of hours of captivating content you won't find anywhere else. Jordan has created thought-provoking works that reshape your perspective on life, which include Vision and Destiny, Marriage and Dragons, Monsters and Men. It's a lot of stuff. Additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that nurture your spiritual side, like Lagos and Literacy and Jordan's groundbreaking series on the book of Exodus. I have not even mentioned his Beyond Order lecture series or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. This is the compendium of all things Jordan. Plus, there is even more new exclusive content on the horizon. By becoming a Daily Wire Plus member, you will embark on an unforgettable experience that will fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before and that will make you clean your room. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become a member today. Finally, finally, we've arrived at my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. This mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter code Knowles, K N W L E S, to get 50%, 50% off your first month. Let's take it away.
2: Hi, Michael. I'm a fellow Catholic and new to your show, and heard you mention how you and your wife came back together after some time apart. I was wondering how realistic that would be in my situation i met the most amazing man and we were in a great relationship until he made a big life change which made him very stressed and overwhelmed he told me he couldn't be in a relationship but that he wanted to see me again in the future it's been almost a year we don't talk but we're on good terms and i still hold on to the hope that we can get back together i'm 37 he's 47 we had a solid connection and we're honest with each other i keep hoping that he will come back but i don't know what else i can do at this point any advice?
1: Thank you. Yes, I'm sorry to hear about your situation. I would dump that zero and get yourself a hero. That's what I would do. He sounds like a, a schmuck. I know you like him still, and I don't know why he instigated this breakup. And he needed time to find himself or whatever nonsense. But he sounds like a big putz, and you should dump him. Sorry to say. I know. I'm sure you like him, and maybe you guys spent a lot of time together. But there, there. There are ways to get back together with someone that you've broken up with, obviously I'm living proof of that, but the the thing that got me about what you said is you don't talk, and I don't think there's really a way to get back together or it's it's much less likely that you will get back together if you're not still talking, so you're on good terms. it was a perfectly fine breakup, but you're not still talking, you're not in each other's lives, and you're holding out this hope for this guy. And what is he saying he had a big life change? I don't know what the life change is. It really could be anything. It could be maybe what did he get a new job? Did he did a family member die? Did he have to move somewhere? Did I don't, whatever it is? If a man, especially men of his age, cannot handle whatever that change is, there are gonna be a lot of changes in life, life comes at you fast, and also maintain a loving relationship that one hopes moves towards marriage then he's just not the right guy he might be the sweetest guy in the world he just doesn't have his act together okay you should have a guy who does have his act together so so i'm sorry to give harsh advice here because maybe there's a 1% chance that you guys could get back together i wouldn't i wouldn't hang my hopes on that dump him you can do better my dear next question
3: hey michael this is marty one of your senior citizen fans Thank you for great shows and the way you present things and entertain us. My question to you is, why do we let the left control the language? Why do we let them control it in the way that they include the LGB whenever they talk about the trans issue? Aren't they really manipulating us into having to accept all rather than being able to point out the fact that this trans agenda and non-binary stuff is a lie, and we do not go along with it. Uh, your points on that would be welcomed. And how can we help the Republicans run for office if we do separate it like this? Thanks, really? and God bless.
1: Thank you so much. That was a really great question. So. Why do we allow them to do it? We allow them to do it because they control the institutions. Wrote a little book called Speechless. Do I have, we don't have a bell here in Hungary. It it would be too expensive to check that. But wrote a book called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, about how the Libs uh, control the language because language makes up the stuff of our consciousness so they can win debates before the debates are even had, like on the redefinition of marriage. When when the left changed the the topic from what is marriage to who has the right to get married? Will we have marriage equality? They it basically won the debate before there ever was a debate because if the debate becomes a question of who has a right, then we all are supposed to have rights. The question was always what is marriage? Does sexual difference have something to do with marriage, which it obviously does. Uh, they were able to do that because they control the media, they control the education system, they control the bureaucracy, they control all of the institutions that push that language on us. And it just seeps in. You will find yourself using their language a lot. The other reason here, though, for the LGB getting lumped in with the T, I know there's a big movement uh, of people who say, hey, uh, especially among gay and lesbian-identifying people, who say, hey, we don't want anything to do with that. Get that out of here. We don't want the T. The T is crazy. We're actually, the T undermines the... LGB part, because the LGB part says we're born this way, and uh, what, is a, what is a G? is a guy who is Andrew Tate, I guess, calls himself top G. What is, the, what is gay, though? It means you're a man who is attracted to other men. Well, if men can be women and women can be men, and there's no such real category as men, well, then gay no longer makes any sense. I, I get all of that. The reason they're naturally lumped together, though, is because all of it re- requires a rejection of a traditional sexual ethic of religious sexual ethic. And once you reject that, once you change the sexual ethic from what it has always been, what is your body for? What is the purpose of our sexuality? uh, are Are there bad things that we can do with our sexual organs? Once you lose that and you reframe the moral question to, if it feels good, do it, then you've accepted the premise. When when you accept the idea that men and women are basically interchangeable, such that the union of two men is basically the same as the union of a man and a woman, well, then you've accepted the premise that will lead to transgenderism, which is that men and women are so similar that one can become the other one. So that's why, how do we encourage Republicans? Well, we can tell them to be on guard about language. We can try to gain power in the institutions to wield it in a way that that, uh, imposes our language, uh, which is more in line with reality, onto the culture, Uh, but I don't think we're going to do it by splitting hairs over the LGB and the T. Uh, Like it or not, they're lumped together. Next question.
4: Hey, Michael. I came for Ben and stayed for you and backstage episodes. All right. I'm a practicing Catholic who, like many other Catholics, struggles to reconcile Catholic teachings with this fallen world. I find that when you know someone personally, then your beliefs, while so strong, show real-world consequence to someone you are friends with. My example would be Dave Rubin, who I'm also a big fan of. While I agree with and understand why gay marriage is wrong, how do you actively advocate against gay marriage when Dave Rubin is in a gay marriage himself with children? If you are his friend and became a senator, for example, how can you maintain a great relationship with him if he's aware that if you theoretically would have the congressional vote that you would choose to vote to dissolve his marriage? How can he want a friendship with you if you have that goal? Thanks for the show. I listen daily and it creates great conversation and debate in my family and especially with my kids. Have a great day.
1: Thank you very much. That's a really good question. And I'll broaden it out a little bit. I've gotten all sorts of questions about specific friends of mine and I'll I'll try to broaden it out because I think, you know, my friend, as you point out, my friends are my friends. And so if I'm going to have a conversation that involves some personal issue of theirs, I'll probably have it privately. Uh, But it's a great observation because I'm from New York. I went to Yale. And I lived in Los Angeles and worked in show business. A disproportionate number of my friends are of the homosexual persuasion. <laughs> okay, I went both both places on the coast, a little light in the loafers, and Yale is the gayest university ever in all of history. So yeah, I've got a lot of friends who are inclined that way. And how do I remain friends with them? Well, I think it's because I'm not wishy-washy about what I think. I, I think if... if if I had an opinion and I said, well, marriage just intrinsically involves sexual difference. And it, that's just what marriage is. But then I went up to a, a gay identifying, any kind of identifying friend of mine and uh, said, well, actually, though, but then I don't, I didn't exactly mean that and, that. and then it would seem that I am not holding a view that's grounded in reason, that I'm holding a view that's grounded in nothing more but bigotry and prejudice. And, and then they, they might have a real cause to be upset with me. But I'm not afraid to say it because it's, it's just my view and my friends respect my views just as I respect that they have in good faith come to their own views. And, and so, uh, you know, the, the notion that uh, if I were in public office and this issue were politically viable, that I would vote to define marriage as what marriage really is. Uh, I, I don't think that would upset anybody. I've got friends who are in uh, same se- so-called same-sex marriages And I like their partners and some of them are dear, dear friends of mine. And I'm not saying I'm going to throw these people in the gulag, you know, (laughs) not suggesting anything that I think would be harmful to them. Of course not. The law itself is an ordinance of reason for the common good by him who has care of the community and promulgated. So any law that I would support I would support on the basis that I believe sincerely and I think with good reason that it is for the common good, not just for the greater good. And it's going to hurt some people, not in a utilitarian sense, but in the classical sense of the common good, whereby it is the the good of all of us and of the polity and of our individual good as well, that there's no real distinction uh, exactly there. So, so that's what I would say. I mean, I'm sure I've got friends who disagree with me for all sorts of things and I disagree with them. But if, you know, if you love somebody, if you're, if you're pals with somebody, then you, you know that you're not coming from a place of, of uh, cruelty or, or not willing the good of the other person. You know, if, you, if you're friends with somebody, then you have love for that person and love, as we've said many times on the show, certainly a key Catholic understanding of love, is that it's willing the good of the other person for their own sake. Next question. Good morning, Michael.
2: First off, I've been listening to your show for quite some time, and I really appreciate that you not only address the major issues facing our society, but also address the spiritual warfare behind all of it. To my question, I'm curious about your take on different Christian denominations. My family and I attend a church that would fall into the non-denominational category. We believe in the Bible, and that repentance and a relationship with Jesus is the only way to salvation and eternal life. I know that you belong to the Catholic Church and that you often refer to Catholic traditions on your show. Do you believe that Catholicism is the only way to salvation, or is it more of a difference of style and tradition? If so, do you believe that all sects of Christianity lead to salvation, or are there ones that get it completely wrong? Again, thank you for your continued work to bringing
1: truth to the world. Really good question. I'm Catholic. And so I believe that the Catholic church possesses the fullness of truth. I think it's the real church that Christ instituted. And one of the evidences of this, I take it on faith, but one of the evidences of this, according to the great writer, Hilaire Belloc, is that uh, if the church were not divinely instituted, uh, no other knavish, uh, no other uh, institution conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted a fortnight. So the problems and the scandals and the corruption in a way are a kind of an evidence is nothing but Divine grace could possibly have allowed an institution so mismanaged to uh, to continue. Um, you, you say you are non denominational, and I have many friends who call themselves that. Uh, so many, so that I would have to suggest that the N and the D are capitalized. You know, the non denominational denomination, because it is a denomination, because people refer to it by that name. Uh, I've got family who were Baptists. You know, I've got a lot of Protestants down the family tree. Um, so, are all people who say that they're Christian saved? Are they Christian? Uh, the, well, the, the Bible seems clear enough on this, which is Christ says uh, someday there will be people who call me Lord, Lord, who uh, I will say I will I, to whom I will say I do not know you. Uh, so, I, I'm not saying that you know you and your. Uh, fellow ecclesial community, you know, you're all going to rot in hell. I'm not saying anything like that. And I'm not saying that you don't have a sincere faith in Christ. And I'm not saying that, that, uh, you you know, Christ has not uh, bestowed his grace upon you or anything like that. But at the very least, we would have to say that if you came out and you said, God forbid, you know, I believe in Jesus. Well, what does that mean to you? Well, it means, you know, that, uh, I believe in transgenderism and I believe in abortion. I think abortion is a really important thing. It's a sacrament. And I believe in, uh, chopping off people's body parts. And I believe in axe murdering people twice a month. That's my understanding of Christianity. What Jesus. You You'd say, that's crazy. That's not Christianity. What on earth are you talking about? That's so, but, but no, I'm calling myself a Christian. Well, no. And there are certain Christian so-called Christian denominations, which deny important aspects of the faith. Uh, Would you call them Christian? Well, no, it'd be hard to do that. The, The question that I would ask myself if I were shopping around for different denominations and sects and things like that is, okay, I love Christ. I love the Lord. I love God. I want to do his will. Is there a way that he wants me to worship him? Is there a way that he wants me to have a relationship with him? Is there specificity? Is there detail to it? Does he give clues of this in the Bible of ways that he wants us to pray, what things that he wants us to believe, creeds that he wants us to hold? Does he give us clues in the early Christian tradition, in the early church, in the later church? Is there some continuity there? The first part, very important part, is do you love the Lord? Do you accept Christ as the Lord your God? Will you be baptized? And then, even as, you, as you're baptized, okay, is there something else? Is it not so much how I want to worship God, but how God wants me to worship him for my own good? Uh, you, you see that certainly in the Old Testament, very, very rigid descriptions. By God of how he wants his chosen people to worship him. And I think that remains true today. And so this process of discernment of, of what the truth of the matter is, is it's not, you know, being nitpicky and finicky and exclusive or anything like that. It's just asking, okay, I'm with you, Lord. I love you. What do you want from me? Okay, I've got so many more things to get to, but Mr. Davies won't let me do it. I've got really good mailbag questions. We're gonna have to save them for next week. Or maybe, you know what, maybe I'll do them in the Memberum segmentum on Monday because I've missed you all. I've missed you so much. I'll be back from Hungary very shortly. See some of you in Hungary at my speech later on today. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you Monday.